Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. My guest today, Michael Piermont. He's the President and Chief Revenue Officer at Leap Trade. Mike, thanks for being with us at The Talking Hedge. Yeah, excited to be here. Appreciate it. Uh, for those that don't know, Leap Trade and Swede are technology companies that specialize in the cannabis industry. Leap Trade provides tools for business partners and streamline the entire ordering, payment, advertising, and reporting process. While Swede's private label platform offers solutions including point of sale, in-store kiosks, delivery analytics, and marketing. So uh, lots to talk about. Um, I think, first of all, let's uh, maybe kind of dive in and, and um, address the elephant in the room, which is like, what made you guys decide to merge? Yeah, so uh, it's the old boring game of we had uh, like-minded clients. We started seeing a lot of our clients look at Swede, migrate to Swede. Um, we had a uh, common investor who put us in touch, and we started looking at not only the markets, the folks that they were uh, going after, but really kind of how they built their core technology. Um, really taking an inventory um, first approach and then pushing, you know, marketing and loyalty. Um, and that was, that's really something that Leaf Trade had also kind of built our framework on. Um, and so quickly a partnership turned into, you know, what happens if we do this? Um, and that was it. Um, and we started, you know, collectively putting the pieces together behind the scenes, working with, um, like I said, some customers that they were close to migrating um, folks from. And then also looking at the piece that no one's talking about is how do you connect the B2B world into the B2C world? How do you get the inventory into the POS? How do you get information out of the POS, um, vendor manage inventory, all those things that no one had really addressed but now was top of mind because of, you know, the market conditions and automation being so important. So, you know, the short answer is we met, we realized we did things while on different sides of the markets very similarly. And then I think the market conditions really spotlighted that the kind of supply chain area in the middle that no one's addressing. Was it, was it easy? I mean, for me, logically it makes, a thousand percent sense to find a strategic partner and to merge because of those advantageous, um, you know, post-merger benefits. You're accretive. You're better together than than individually. But was the process not worth it? But was an easy is a stupid word. So, what would you do it again? Yeah. So at a hundred percent, do it again. We would all do it again. Um, the the process post deal has gone even better than we expected. Um, the process coming together was probably the hardest thing that I've ever done in my career and that we've ever done. And I think it was just because everything around us was very volatile, not only in cannabis, but fundraising and just the landscape in general. Um, and so it was really hard for us to say, I know there's a fire out there and I know there's grenades coming, but we're good. Um, and this is a good deal. 
so for those reasons, you know, it took a while, um, longer than expected as usual, but you know, the deal is simple. They, the, the companies fit together from a management as well as a personnel standpoint, they've really done a great job of building up their, the tech side of things way bigger than leave trade and leave trade has a really well-defined and built out um, commercial team and back office team. So as you mentioned, the, the savings as well as the horsepower bringing the teams together is something that has happened right away. And we were really kind of acting as one unit, arguably, you know, 40 to 60 days before the merger closed anyway. So I guess that's the, uh, that's the benefit of a long closing cycle is you get to know the other side, they get to know you, there's benefits there. Um, so we feel really good. Um, and we've had really, really good feedback from the market, um, current customers, you know, new folks who um, both sides um, have started talking to have come, you know, back to the table. So we've, you know, we're really excited about it. Is it easier to raise capital now that you are together than before? And um, how is the cap? How is the the, the market now? I know that uh, just myself, I, I've got a fintech company, an app that alerts you when to buy, and when to sell stocks and crypto. I'm going to Silicon Valley next week to pitch to some investors for seven to eight figures, and I know that the valuations have deteriorated significantly. Um, I don't think cannabis is is um, outside of of that destruction or, or destructive, um, you know, uh, force behind it. What's been your experience on your own valuations in the last year? And does it make it easier to raise capital together? Yeah, so I'll take the second one first. It absolutely um, has been easier to raise capital together. The story's bigger. You know, when we go into a large multi-state operator, you know, there really is a one vendor expand, land and expand story there where you know, relationships are important and understanding how these companies operate in different states, it's easier for them to use less vendors, more cost effective, but also we forget these companies don't have as many folks to run these different systems, right? So consolidation is more important. So it's definitely been easier to raise capital. We have been so focused on making sure the unit economics of the business can support the business and that we're not just living off fundraising. And so we did raise a little bit of money um, as part of the merger. We didn't announce that to kind of fuel even more development to build kind of that middle function in the supply chain we talked about. And we've been very strategic on who we've taken capital from and when we have done it and we've raised a little more. But for us, it's the capital is, is really the cherry on top. And we, you know, are opportunistic when it's there, but you just can't depend on it because of times like this. I think what the cannabis industry is really reckoning with is because it's so fragmented, you had a lot of companies, especially on the tech and ancillary side that were great in one market and really had trouble taking um, their product or kind of their service or story to different markets, right? A, just because if it's a marketplace type tool, you've got to build up you know, the liquidity on the marketplace, if it's a compliance or 
seed to sale or retail tool. There may be different touch points that you have to build before you get there. So our strategy has always been, you know, focus on the large companies where you can build kind of within their stack. And as they expand, you can expand with them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we've never had a tough time raising capital on that, but we've also, you know, we're not out there trying to raise $150 million because frankly, we don't think this business needs it or could support that kind of capital raise. And I mm. think that's the important thing is you got to do something with the money. And when you raise too much, you start opening other lines of business that take away focus and capital from, you know, what got you there. And some companies do it because, you know, why not take the money? And some companies do it because maybe their first or second uh, service or product isn't working. And here's a way to kind of fuel something else. Mm. We've, stayed really focused on, you know, the leaf trade side, order management, B2B wholesale. We've stayed away from logistics. Um, we'll partner with logistics companies. Um, and we've really stayed away from lending or factoring um, and just focused on kind of the goalpost in the actual transaction and then post-transaction and, you know, the integrations with tech. Yeah, you, you mentioned um, something that kind of just reminded me of, of Tilray. Um, I always look for an opportunity to throw them under the bus. And, and so I appreciate that. It was the fact that they came out saying that they were a CPG company, then they don't really resonate with anybody. The soccer moms found alternative products and now they're a zombie being held up by Hexo. So understanding the industry, I think, is really important. Um, you have to know a little bit about the culture. You can't just come in. And yep. I think that's why a lot of these um, celebrity cannabis companies because they, they consume it. They just don't really know how to distribute it. And there's all these other factors that, that uh, are, are in play for, for that demise, I guess. And so how do you get the word out there? Uh, with uh, Leaf Trade, you talk about advertising. And yet um, up here in Washington, where I'm at last 10 years, you can't do any of that. So some of the workarounds have been, you know, there's an Uncle Likes dispensary, um, low price discount retailer. And he bought, I, the owner ended up buying a, a car wash. And so you'll see uncle likes, you know, in big words on a, on a bus because he can advertise the, um, the car wash and then really small print. It'll say car wash. So you don't yep. know the differentiation between the businesses and that's his workaround. Um, billboards were okay one day, not the next and they're fine now, but how do you guys actually help businesses with advertising given the constraints? Yeah, so what's cool on the Leaf Trade side is we own the platform, right? We own Leaf Trade. Um, we actually have a marketing team that builds campaigns and, you know, emails, ads within Leaf Trade, right? Our goal is not to have people fighting over the same product or the same shelf space. It's really to educate the buyer so they can use Leaf Trade to make their buying process more efficient easier, you know, get all the information. So we don't have some of the constraints that you talked about because um, we're B2B, right? And these aren't consumer facing uh, billboards. On the suite side, one of the challenges is, you know, how do, how do you, Josh, put in your information on, on an e-com system, you know, register for a Jane or Dutchie, right? put your order in, go to the marketplace. Maybe now you're looking for the cheapest cartridge, 
Right. So now you've gone away from the original store you were going to go to. That's not great for the store, but on the back end, that e-commerce system has to connect with a POS. That POS then has to connect with a loyalty program. All of that stuff has to flow, which doesn't work back or else now you're buying stuff and you don't know how many loyalty points you have. Maybe you could have bought more. And so all of that ends up into a, a transaction. And now where are you pulling the data from? Are you going to get the loyalty data? Are you going to use the POS data, the e-com data? Are you going to merge it together to decide who and what to market to, right? Whereas the beauty of Swede is it's one platform. So you don't, you don't sign up for Swede, you sign up for that store, right? And you go to that store's website, you buy Swede powers it, right? But again, that same email address or phone number is also loyalty. It's also your point of sale, your customer record, your medical record, if you go there. So now you can actually create segments and market to them, right? And the segments are based on their actual buying history right? Which is very easy to do and compliant, right? Hey, thanks for shopping into the store. We have this, we have that. Those are those. So even just making the system all in one gives them more power marketing. Now, if you take it a step up and let's say you have um, a multi-state brand, now you can offer loyalty programs across the country, right? If, if I go to Cureleaf all the time in my hometown, which I do, there's one in Deerfield and I land in Arizona, it doesn't, you know, my app or the, the phone doesn't say, hey, there's a Cureleaf, you know, down the road, use your loyalty points there, accrue more points if you, you know, if you can't use them in different states. And so just having that one system that's inventory out allows these companies, you know, to actually operate with operational leverage, right? Being a big company, you're supposed to do these big things. And I think because the cannabis industry has grown and the reason it's grown is through fragmentation and kind of putting all the pieces together, there's just a, a little bit of a resetting of the deck. What are the um, discounts that you're seeing? Because in addition to everything else, you guys offer analytics over at Swede. Did you guys see anything in particular happen on 420, which used to be the biggest day of the year? And as things are normalizing, we're seeing Green Wednesday before Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, 4th of July, becoming bigger days. And yet, um, you know, there's other analytics companies like Headset putting out, oh, look at this 420, you know, heat map and how the sales were just um, crazy. Yes, but at what cost? 40%, I think was, um, it was like 39.5% was the average discount in Washington state that day, which is insane if you have to offer basically 50% to get people off their ass because COVID, in my opinion, screwed that for everybody, uh, all these retailers, um, which is a good thing for me. I'm not complaining. Uh, so what we saw was to get people off, off the couch or go and buy stuff during COVID when people didn't want to go anywhere and we don't have delivery, which I want to touch on next is to incentivize them with discounts. So we literally have 30% off three days a week, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday's internet only. And then everything else is you can walk in and get a third off. So what are discounts that are being offered now? It's probably being text and product specific or day specific. What are you seeing? And is that the only way to get people in the store? No, definitely not. Now we're at Leaf Trade, um, 
And sweet. We're a little bit skewed as we work in some newer markets, right? Where price hasn't come down all the way yet, but it will, right? With with a little more saturation. We saw average discounts around 25%, kind of some areas closer to 35%. Um, so not that much dr drastic. Um, the prices are also a little higher there as well. So maybe not the need to discount as much. Um, a lot, you know, we, we also, I'm sure you heard about some of the uh, point of sale and e-com providers that had major outages on 420. Um, Sweet didn't, and what we saw were, were a lot of really good discount programs that were built kind of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? So it was 420 was like the kickoff. You see this on Black Friday, right? Black Friday is the big day, but those discounts, if the product's available, are still usually there Saturday and Sunday, right? And so we saw a lot of good stores do that. We saw a lot of good stores kind of build you know, the um, activation of these three-day sales, food. We saw a lot of brands come into stores and, you know, buy food trucks, buy music, uh, give samples out, yada, yada. So, you know, I think the weather had a lot to do with it. I think it being on a Thursday and rolling into the weekend had a lot to do with it. Um, but from what we saw, we, we saw a big uplift in 420 this year, and we saw – you know, 420 being better, but also we saw the Friday and Saturday after 420 a little deeper than last year. So I think that, you know, some of these new markets or newer markets are kind of getting the hang of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's also interesting because there's there's people that are, are moving um, towards delivery. So they don't want to just go into the store, 420 has got a huge line, yeah. whatever, uh, and people are kind of navigating towards that. And yet... Um, I was looking at a BDS analytics report about um, demographics, and it says top um, data shows that convenience is a top driver of shopping location choice. Price and convenience are always those two common things, no matter what it is. But 36% stated that um, the retailer being close to their home or work is a top priority for delivery, which like, why would that matter, I guess, is, is one question. Um, but what are you seeing with delivery? I would love delivery. I would order more if I had delivery. I tend to, um, you know, order more when, when I run out. Other people order like on a specific day because of the discounts. What are you seeing? What are the trends on delivery? Because it's illegal in Washington still. Yeah, I mean, people love delivery, right? And we're still in our early, early phases. It's in a few markets. There's a few providers. Um most people like delivery folks that are close to them for two reasons. One, it's usually probably the store that they generally shop at. So their points and they know the supply and they know what's going on and they generally feel comfortable with the prices. Two, because there's not a ton of de delivery providers and there's not, you know, a thousand dispensaries within, you know, maybe in certain states, but most states, most people pick the closest store to them because they think it will get delivered faster, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the technology doesn't really tell them differently. So the, the, that's it. I think delivery is kind of the next phase. I also think that um, warehousing and docking will be really important. Um, 
just-in-time inventory will be really important, right? A lot of these companies are going through really large buying processes, buying all their inventory, sitting on all the inventory, selling it, doing it again. Um, so that's another another reason why we believe connecting Leaf Trade and Swede, you know, helps so many folks. Like understanding when they sell products, so they know when they need to have products on their shelves, mm-hmm. is going to help everyone, right? And so some of those things, just there just needs to be some groundwork and some connectivity before you can really put some of those processes in place. It's it's maddening, Mike. It's it, it drives me nuts because they have this three and a half gram blunt. Um, 30% off. It's only 18 bucks. And yet the company is so inconsistent. And yet it's, let me take a step back. It's not, it's not the company. The ordering at the retailer is so inconsistent because I thought initially there must be spider mites. It must be ordering. It must be supply. It must be, no, it's just literally the person at the store has such high turnover. They don't have, because we have 1800 SKUs in Washington state. So some of these guys are just aren't opening the bins to see what's empty. And for whatever reason, their their software system doesn't show that it's that it's at zero. And so yeah. I have to go in there literally like before MJ BizCon in November, I was going in there in September going, where is it? October, where is it? November, where is it? And so people re, you know, I was mentioning how people re-up their purchases. Um, it says 42% of dispensary shoppers who buy on a weekly basis or more report going online to see the menu at a specific dispensary compared to 35% who shop on a less than monthly basis. So for those that, for me, I might look at a discount and because I'm, I'm a pretty heavy consumer, go through about an ounce a week. And so I'm looking for, for discounts. I'm also looking for, you know, natural uh, pesticide free, all of these other things. And I don't want to shop by THC percentages, which I'm still forced to in Washington and I can't, (laughs) really go buy terpenes, although I can go buy happy or relax or some ridiculous stuff. Um, so having said all of that, you got any feedback on, on what's happening and to improve any of that? Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what we're here for getting a lot of times new inventory doesn't get shown on the e-com, whether that's pre-order or actually an e-com in-store ordering, um, scenario, because, they never manually put the inventory into the point of sale. And there may not be the connection between the e-com and the point of sale. So they get the inventory delivered and because they haven't put it in the point of sale, it's not pushing you know, inventory out. And this is the crux of the problem. You're depending on one process to update another, to update another, to update another. So, you know, in theory, you get, you place your order on leaf trade, the inventory comes in, the manifest, all the the uh, invoice stuff comes out of Leaf Trade anyway. Now, since it's one company, that inventory will flow right into the point of sale, right? And then you, the manager, would approve that they receive this this exact inventory, right? And then, boom, the second it's in the in the POS, it's out there, right? And to take it a step further, we can also set up where there's alerts. Hey, we're going to have these blunts, you know, ready to sell on Monday because we got a delivery on Saturday. So now you're arranging the foot traffic, right? When you want it, maybe if you do that, you don't need to be open one more hour or maybe, you know, like, so there's all of these, you know, um, kind of connections to just getting these manual processes automated. And at the end of the day, it usually helps the consumer 
because the consumer is the one waiting around for them to refill mm -hmm. cannabis consumers. I know I'm one of them. Like we're really particular. We buy a lot. We don't have time to wait. It's usually like a stop before we have to do something or pick up our kids. And like, we don't have 20 minutes to go through everything, nor do the bud tenders want to like, you know, figure out the puzzle pieces. Right. And so a lot of these things start, kind of opening the door to selling faster, um, you know, running leaner, eventually drive-through will be more prevalent. Um, and like I said, there needs to be some foundational pieces that are interlocked together before this can happen. And we're already seeing it coming together um, with certain providers. So you have in-store kiosks with Swede as well. I'm really curious about the regulatory issues and the the cost benefit on that as well, because it is nice having an online only line, except when on Saturdays, when it's online only at 30% off and the, literally the, there's no one in the regular line in, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe 10 people in the online order only line. And I want to get in and get out. You know, um, I really like the idea of, of an eight, not an ATM, um, a vending machine or a kiosk so that when I ordered online, I could pay for it, you know, right there because uh, you still can't do like credit cards, whatever. But at least I don't have to wait in line. So is there going to be like this Amazon locker system where I can go in with the code, pay for it there and get out and what's the hurdles? What are the regulatory issues and why is that not in the stores already? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you take a market like Illinois, um, everything has to be done in a pre-order manner. So even if you walk in the store, you have to go to someone and they'll have to punch in your order via an iPad or you will have to punch in your order via kiosk sends the order to the person in the back of the house, they bring your order out, you pay. You can load up your profile and you know pay via, via ACH or one of the providers, but you basically can't just walk up to the register and say, give me two of these and three of these. Everything has to go through a system, right? And there's a lot of positives about that because everyone's just used to putting their order somewhere, right? I think from will we get to a point where you walk in and you have all the technology that just says, here's what I took. And I don't think we will for can for cannabis for a while, because I don't really think the consumers really want a no touch scenario. They just want a faster touch scenario. Like you want to go through the drive through, maybe you have a question. You don't need it to be completely robotic, but you also don't need to wait in line. And I think you're going to see, you know, in some markets, curbside, drive-through. Um, I do think potentially like monthly subscription boxes or weekly orders where, you know, every Wednesday you kind of pick up your order. I think you're going to see some of those type of things to kind of smooth out, you know, when people come in and, you know, kind of the dis different scenarios that you pick up. But I, you know, I kind of use this analogy all the time, and I think it's a pretty safe one is, you know, when you buy shoes, you buy sneakers, right? You buy them on nike.com, you've bought sneakers on Amazon, you've bought them in the store, right? You've bought them at a weird 
place a used pair here and there. You probably have your preference, but based on when you buy, what you're buying, how you're buying them, even for the same type of product, the way you buy it might might change, right? It might change as you get older. I think mobile apps and loyalty have proven through all industries, but especially in cannabis to be very effective. And like anything, the companies, the retail companies that are investing in their customers, you know, taking time to teach them if they want to be taught, spending a lot of money on the experience tend to do well, like any experience, right? I also think that the brands and the retail folks who are just trying to be true to the brand they're representing are also doing really well. If you're, you know, a middle tier brand, that's okay, right? Like most of us, that's where we end up. Just be a middle tier brand. If you're a high-end brand, be a high-end brand. And we're seeing even the folks who are slightly more expensive, when they're sticking with their pricing, right? And they're not going up and down, the consumers can can connect with those those folks. When, you know, they're 30% off one week and full price the next week and 40%, you know, consumers, they don't understand, you know, or your low cost brand. So, you know, I think you'll see more development in brand connections with consumer, ease of use um, of their experience or platform. We're probably unfortunately a little ways away from the automated shopping experience, but there will be some automation on the back end. I do believe the Amazon type lockers or dock systems will be helpful for B2B, right? Where brands deliver to this central unit and then stores get just-in-time delivery from those um, from those lockers. Okay. Kind of already answered my next question, which was the, the technology in the future in the cannabis industry and how you kind of see that vision. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be different distribution points, right? There's You're going to be able to buy cannabis in different forms in different places, right? You saw the deal with GTI in a gas station. They're going to be in casinos. They're going to be in sports venues. So the manufacturers, the processors, the brands will have dif- different distribution points, i.e. kind of, you know, what we talked about with Nike, right? And everyone will play, you know, a major role. And I think all that's going to happen is the dispensary won't be the only place, but the dispensary will kind of turn into, you know, where it all starts, right? Like a, just a, a distribution point, which is great, right? They don't have to get bigger to sell more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I think with that, we're gonna have to rule this one up. So I want to thank Michael Piermont. He's the president chief revenue officer at Leaf Trade. Appreciate you being on the talking hedge. Thanks guys. Yeah, where can they find you at though? Let, let Tell us uh, where you guys are at. What's your website? Yeah, so leaftrade.com um, or swedepos.com or email me at michael at leaftrade.com. Okay, we'll put Mike's uh, information on LinkedIn. If you want to contact him directly with that again. We're out of here. So I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Chicks podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. 
I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.